When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Happy Monday. Um, Beautiful, beautiful time to be alive, you guys. Um, So grateful for you guys and and happy that you're here. Happy you found this podcast one way, shape, or form. My job is to help you guys with your dog. Um, We put podcasts out twice a week, sometimes even more. And uh, this is a good one for you guys. So this is is really step-by-step on a dog that is... Uh, has a bite history, but not a terrible one. Uh, is working with a trainer, but is trying. The, the owner is trying to seek other help on how to step by step. If your dog is reactive outside, when your dog is reactive, when people come over, this is a step by step guide on how to do it. So the first behaviors that you should do, the equipment that you may should you may use how you handle your dog while you're outside. And it's not a one-stop shop. And I know that we've had podcasts before on um, these types of things, but this is just a nice refresher on step-by-step on how to work with the dog that has these tendencies to be reactive uh, with other people. Uh, It's also a bigger dog, uh, mostly Rottweiler. So uh, I think you guys will really like it. And um, yeah, so we're going to get into that podcast. But before we do, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions at the end of this podcast. So if you guys have questions, I think we're just about out of questions, which means you ask them this episode, you're going to hear it next week or Wednesday. Um, So head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid favor and leave us a review. Um, It'd mean a lot to us. So enjoy the podcast, you guys. Uh, I appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you at the end. So what's going on? Well, Luca is 50% Rottweiler, 25% American Pit. He's really well socialized with other dogs, always ne- never aggressive, etc. And he's really a sweet dog when he's with uh, people that he knows. Yeah. So right now, if I have a friend over and he knows her, or my my daughters or my in laws, um, uh, you know, he's great. Yeah. So it's like all the people that he's met. The problem becomes with um, strangers. Okay. When he's out at the dog park, if there's somebody there. Uh, with a dog, he's he's good with those strangers, but once he gets out of the dog park or in public, that's a problem. So by way of example, just how ser- silly this is in a way, I'm on my way into the dog park yesterday, and there's an old lady who's just outside the fence of the park, you know, walking towards us. He lunges at her aggressively, growling like he wants to, you know, attack. Um, I can stop him. He's not, like, dragging me across the road, but... Uh, um, but then we get back inside the dog park, that same lady's in there walking around with a girlfriend. She's fine. Um, if, if I take him out to like a, um, a pet smart or to a, a home depot to try to, you know, socialize him in the past, 
it's not really going well. I mean, as long as people don't come anywhere near him, he's fine. But if you approach him, and with my last trainer and the one that recommended you, she had him for a training session and made the mistake. We we're getting ready to start at Home Depot um, of letting a guy come over and, and, and pet him. He, he, he bit him. He bit his hand. So I don't, I don't want a watchdog. I don't want anybody that ag- aggressive. And he's otherwise such a sweet and affectionate dog with, in the house or with people he knows. Mm. So it's just when he's on leash outside when he doesn't know somebody because it's it seems like in the dog park because I'm looking at a variable of off-leash because if he's in the dog park off-leash, he's fine. Is that correct? Yes. Now, if you come to my front door to deliver a package, he goes nuts, right? If, if the person bringing the package is someone he knows, which is usually not like Amazon or the postman or something, um, but if it's somebody he knows, once you get in the door and he sees and smells who you are, he's great. But anybody coming onto the property or ringing the bell, he's growling and, and, and looks like he wants to be aggressive. So those are the two big situations where I okay. you know, don't feel. Plus, you know, we have an invisible fence and he can be outside all, all day in the nice weather. But uh, I'm reluctant to do that if somebody's going to walk onto the property. Understood. They're not going to be properly warned. Yeah, exactly. So, now, last situation, my my trainer who I use recommended this kind of shock collar. Let me let me get it. Okay. Um, where there's a like a, a recall button, which he generally comes to, and then there's also a, a, a setting for like an uncomfortable buzz to like reprimand him for like counter surfing, etc., or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you want to you know employ that in our, our lesson or not for our training. Yeah. We could talk about that. Um, how, how old is he? He's about two years, three months. Okay. Okay. So when did you did you start to see this at a certain age, or has he always been like this? I, he's, I started developing this um, probably at least nine months ago or, or more. Um, and, but I never really would have had the opportunity to notice it because, um, uh, you know, he's great with all the pe- the adults and the people at the dog park. And I hadn't really taken him, you know, too much in public because mm. ta- I take him every day, every day there for exercise. Um, so it's hard to say. I just remember one winter now it would have been about a year ago or so, um, well, whatever it was wintery, a little more than a year ago, um, uh, we were at the park and there's some kids deciding they want to go down these hills on flying saucers in the snow. Mm-hmm. He was, he was being aggressive towards the kids because they're running around and screaming. So I had to take him out of there. And if I were to take him somewhere and there's a little kid, uh, he's, he's he gets aggressive if they, especially if they're running or, or screaming, mm. that's the other situation he's a, he's a problem with. Um, we don't know any little kids. No, he has some, they're little, if he, I guess maybe closer to eye level, but, um, uh, if it's a big kid, you know, like, you know, five feet tall or so, he's got no problem. He just treats it as an adult. So if, and then if he knows the adult, he knows the kid fine, but if he doesn't, you know, he's going to have a problem. So yeah. Same scenario with, yeah. If he doesn't know him, that's the big thing. And he's, is he fixed or is he not fixed? Yes. He's neutered. Okay. 
So let's just start with variables. That's what I always try to figure out is when these, because if you, if we can figure out and isolate when these things happen, it'll give us a lot more information. Um, so it sounds to me, so let's say, okay, he's off leash at the dog park. Yes. So when he's off leash at the dog park, he's good, uh, with, with new people or I'm presuming. Anybody associated with the park. Okay. Okay. Walking around. Okay. Very affectionate. Good. So, so that's, that's huge. That's, that's major in in a behavioral situation like this, because that means that his aggressive behavior is environmental, which means it's not going to be a neurological thing. It's going to be genetics, but it's not going to be something that is completely random, right? We're like, oh, we can see this boiling. We can see this happening. We know when he's going to be okay and when he's not. So that's good to know just from a behavioral standpoint. Um, so, okay, good inside the dog park. We get outside of the dog park. We have him on leash. Anybody that he doesn't know, he is unfriendly with. Yeah. Now, what I do, Tom, when I have him home, like a friend of mine came from, you know, out of town to stay for the weekend. I walked him outside with a muzzle, growling, et cetera, et cetera. I bring the friend inside, let him sit. Luca's got the basket muzzle on. His name is Luca. And he sniffs a while, and then 10 minutes later, he's licking and kissing my friend once he got used to him. So that's how I've been doing introductions to new people. Okay. And generally, that works. And Okay. So that's another good um, – again, like I'm in I'm, – I pretty much treat it like an investigation. So it's good information for me knowing that he can have this onset really quick. I don't like you. I'm acting aggressive, et cetera, to – Oh, you're my buddy. Because that just tells us what I'm looking, what I'm leaning more towards is just him because he's mainly Rottweiler. Uh, what I'm leaning more towards is probably just him being protective. So protective behavior with Rottweilers goes pretty hand in hand. So you'll get him to be, so you got to think of the variables and the environments that he'll be protective in. So on leash dogs that are going to be protective are typically, that's where they'll show that because it, it can make them vulnerable. It can make them insecure. It can make them, you know, tethered to something and it makes them kind of like, well, I'm going to protect dad or whatever. Uh, the other thing is, is the car. So that happens in the car a lot. And then of course your property. So he's contained yeah, in some way. Yeah. If someone like we'll be driving in the car. If someone gets a little close to, to the window, he's also wants to get at them too. Yes. Now I, I want to also, add, I forgot to mention, sorry, I don't want to keep interrupting you, but the vet has some sort of, you know, patch has prescribed him uh, gabapentin in 900 milligrams in the morning, 900 milligrams at night, hoping that would calm him. I guess they use that to calm animals as well as people at times. But, um, I'm not sure if I should continue with that or not because it's not really working. But well, I always, I mean, yeah, I always say if it's not working, then don't use it. You know, I, I'm a big believe. That's how I've been successful with my career. Is I, as soon as I start finding something that works long term, and is fair, I double down on it and I master it. And that's I, I don't I don't want to waste my time working on something that doesn't work. That's that's not really that's not beneficial to anybody. So, so yeah, so it's going to, you're going to see this protective behavior in the car, uh, any type of threshold thresholds could be doors, windows, leash, fence, um, 
etc. I mean, we we can we can you know list list all the the, the variables, but um, when he is, so a couple things is okay. We have a two two almost two and a half year old Rottweiler that is becoming protective over thresholds or is becoming protective in general. As soon as he gets to know this person, he's their best friend and acts like a therapy dog. To me, that sounds like a Rottweiler to me, to be honest with my experience. It's typical, like, let me check your ID. Okay. You're good. I love you. (laughs) Very common. Um, so the things that are going to be helpful for you, because this behavior towards these people, I don't want to say it's not it's it's meaningless because it is, I mean he cares enough to bite somebody so I just want to was this bite like a quick grab um how did how it's did that work but he's got such powerful jaws he'll break the skin right I mean, he's 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 he hasn't clamped down hard more of like a he'll lunge towards somebody and and he, he if they put their hand out especially he'll nip um, there was a guy who came onto the property unbeknownst to me he was showing up. To do some work in the backyard. Um, there were some guys also back there that he knew he was totally fine with. When the new guy showed up, bent over to do some work, he kind of uh, came at him from behind and, and bit him, you know, mm. bit his back through the clothing. Um, so, uh, okay. Um, so yeah, again, it, you know, it sounds to me like very protective behavior. It's, it's nothing to push to the side or ignore obviously, but uh, let me ask you this. When, when he's doing this behavior, how have you corrected him for this? Well, I was I was reluctant according to the, to punish him at the time. I mean, in the, in the moment, I can yell no and make him go down um, uh, if he's on leash. Uh, other than that, I've just been kind of you know, you know, I, I'll say no and I'll drag him away from the situation. So, okay. um, but the, the 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 other trainer didn't want me to use the uncomfortable buzz on the collar because she was afraid that. that wouldn't work and that actually might make things worse. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm open to suggestions. I'm not sure. She's certainly not as knowledgeable as you. Um, Yeah. So I I would say my opinion is this is a pretty, uh, geez, this is a pretty common problem with these types of breeds and you're going to find great success by, Descent, um, not necessarily desensitizing other people, but you really have to push him through scenarios so he can understand what to do. So by telling him no, the enforcement of telling him no right now is to pull him away. So that means when when he gets aggressive towards somebody and you don't want him to, you're telling him no, and the enforcement behind it is you pulling him away. And there's there's two things that I would suggest. The first thing is obviously not letting people come up and pet him while he's on leash. And I know that you know that, but that's the big, that's the biggest thing. And then second to that is if he acts aggressive while other people are around, then that's where a correction would come in. And so I typically will use a slip lead or a martingale or a prong collar, uh, something, something that will correct him effectively to where he cares about it. I often see dogs this caliber, this size, this powerful, this stubborn, uh, this potentially dangerous get away with a lot of stuff simply because the enforcement of, of what we're asking doesn't exist. So right now, if you, if you walked into Home Depot and somebody started to walk up and ask you if you needed help 
and he started growling and getting aggressive, or you could tell he's starting to get aggressive, and you say no, and he still is staring at that person doing the same behavior, and the only thing that you can do to discourage it is to drag him away, it doesn't end up helping you help him, right? Because he's not an aggressive, well, this is kind of uh, counterproductive and, and doesn't really make sense, almost an oxymoron, is he's not naturally aggressive. He is naturally aggressive because of his breed, but what I'm trying to say is, is I think because of his protectiveness of being a guardian type breed, he's doing what he thinks he should do. So he's not mauling people, he's nipping them. This is a dog that could definitely hurt somebody. So you have to correct him to teach him how to behave around these other people. Now, the caveat to that is, is you also have to have good obedience in order to counter this type of behavior as well. So if you have a dog that powerful walking around, it's important that you you're able to correct the dog, but also give him an alternative motive to do something else. What do you mean by that? In other words, I'm so, going to him away on the choker, on the prong collar, say no, and then what? That's it? Well, no, it would be more like, so the prong collar correction, it, the dog is not moving. The dog is just standing there. So the correction of the prong collar is to, to discourage what they're doing. So if he's sitting there, and he's growling at somebody and he's becoming aggressive, your job is to say leave it and then enforce the leave it or the no, whatever you want to use. But you're trying... Okay, so how do I enforce it? Well, that's where the prong collar correction comes in, the pop on the collar. Okay. Yeah. So th that will give you an opportunity to teach him that, that that behavior is inappropriate. And the objective is is to blend in some obedience with that correction. So let I'm standing there with this dog. Somebody comes up or somebody's walking by with some two by fours. He starts to growl. I'd say, Luca, leave it, pop the collar. He would disengage from the person. I'd say, good, leave it. And then I would move away just a little bit and give the dog a recall or give a dog a sit or give a dog a down or give a dog a heel. But if you don't, if you don't have control with the dog, good control, then this will be pretty difficult to do so if he's not good on the leash is what i'm trying to say you're gonna have a really hard time being successful with this dog no matter if he's friendly or he's nice or he's mean or he's aggressive mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's always like the the common denominator here is just making sure that you're able to also handle the dog so for me again i'd be out with my dog uh he sees something because right now if you're dragging him away or you're pulling him away maybe to the next aisle or just away from the person it doesn't give him an opportunity to to figure that situation out he's reacting so he's not you know like if you say you jumped into a, a cold shower cold bath cold water if you if you if you just get out you're not learning how to deal with it right you're not learning focusing on your breathing focusing on handling that situation to calm yourself down so you're you're just reacting you're saying this is uncomfortable i'm out so somebody's walking up he starts to growl to get protective and then your objective is to correct that behavior when it happens okay so the person's still standing there and the person's still there so he, you're going to correct him with the collar as he's showing these cuz right now if you're standing with him and then somebody's walking up and he gets aggressive, right now you're just pulling him away. You'd stay there. You'd correct him, leave it, bang, bang on the collar. He'd disengage. We'd say, good, leave it. And then it would give him an opportunity to learn how to handle 
how to behave around that individual instead of react. All right, so I'm just giving him to leave it, yank him on the prong collar, but I'm not walking away. You want me just to put him in a sit or something right then and there? You could. Back him um, yeah, the, the correction of the prong collar is going to be a pop on the collar, and then you could just do a quick little recall with him. When you say a recall, what do you So mean? you could just say, Luca, come, and you just kind of bring him away, and then you bring him right back. Like, here's here's how I – this is how I've been – almost every time successful in a situation like this, almost every time I have a dog that's reactive or is not super, super reactive, but starts to build and can get aggressive. If somebody gets near, I have a dog at my left side. He starts to build. I correct him. I say, Nope, that's in a, we don't, we don't growl at people. That's not appropriate. You're not doing that. Now, if you were standing in the middle of a park at night and somebody started walking up, your dog started growling, you don't have to say anything. You just kind of let that play out. But you're in the middle of Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, um, or walking down the road, and somebody's just minding their own business, and he starts to say, hey, I'm, I don't like that person. That's where you would correct that behavior. Now, we're not talking about kids that understand English. When you say, hey, Timmy, you can't do that because of these reasons. He's a pit bull Rottweiler mix that has a bite history. So he, your objective is to shut that down immediately and say that's inappropriate. So you're standing there. You correct him with the prong collar. It disengages them, and then you just take three steps back. You say, Luca, come. It breaks down that tension, and then maybe you put him into a sit, or then maybe you just continue to walk forward. But you have to be very, very, very clear about what is going on. All right, so if he's home and someone rings the bell and he's immediately going to the door, not knowing who it is, he's growling, looks like he wants to be aggressive, do it then too? Yeah. So, yeah. So, but that's a different, that's a different scenario. That's more of a advanced, that's a, that's a more advanced picture. So that, that all comes down to your off leash control. So then, then I would ask you, how good is your off leash control? And you know, that, that's where that question comes in because you would do the same thing. Yes. Because there's, there's beginner obedience, which is on leash. And then there's intermediate obedience, which is on leash and distracted environments. And then there's advanced off leash but you have to work your way up to that point. So right now, if the question comes at me of if my dog is off leash and doing anything that I don't like, counter surfing, licking the mailman, barking at the Amazon driver, or it doesn't matter. If, if they're doing anything, then you, your dog is off leash. Therefore, to expect success while your dog is off leash, you've had to put in a good amount of work to control your dog off leash. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a, it's, it's, you, you have to do the, the off leash training is adv- like to get an animal to listen to your voice while there's nothing attached to them takes a considerable amount of time and you have to build incrementally up to get to that point. But here's, here's how this scenario goes is Amazon driver comes to the door or your neighbor comes to the door ding dong, your dog barks, your dog reacts. You say, Luca, come. He says, screw you, flips you off. You have no advantage. You have no enforcement. That's your relationship. You go, you grab him by the collar. He's poking his head out the door. He's growling. The person's backing up. You're pulling him back. It's this whole mess. So in order to handle that situation, you have to have the obedience to enter that arena. If you don't have the obedience to enter that arena, you're going to fail every time because you don't have the basic control off leash yet. Okay. Yeah. So to answer your question again, like what I would say is, and and I know that this isn't the answer people want to hear, but this is the answer that they need to hear is if somebody comes to the door 
and you're starting off working on this reactivity and this whole new, I'm going to start taking, I'm going to start taking this seriously. Then all you would do is you would put on your equipment and then you would work with your dog during that time. Okay. And you, what, you mean the choke collar and, and the you just pop the yeah you just pop the prong collar on because that's what's going to give you when, when you're dealing with this like crash course we have to start correcting some of this behavior because he's out of control. Um, there's the preliminary foundational obedience that you have to have. So there's the okay, what are you going to do? So if somebody comes to the house if he barks aggressively because somebody's dropping off a package and he's being aggressive, we're going to correct him for that. But then what? Then it would be. Okay, Luca, go to your bed, down stay, right? So sending your dog away to a place command off leash takes two weeks. Then down staying your dog while there's somebody at the front front door, another two weeks. And then staying your dog if that person wants to come in or you want to go out or whatever. Like all those things are stacking. So the reality is, is your foundation is just as important as, hey, my dog is becoming aggressive or my dog is doing something I don't like. What do I do? I can teach you how to discourage the behavior, but the discouragement and the corrections and the enforcement is only going to bring you to a certain point. Because if I bring you to a point where the dog's like, oh, okay, that's not appropriate. I don't like doing this because it's uncomfortable. What do you want me to do next then if you don't want me to react? Because I thought I was supposed to because I'm a Rottweiler. If that next step of obedience doesn't exist it'll dissolve. Everything just falls out. So you have to have this, what I call balance to say, Hey man, quit the crap. That's inappropriate. You're not going to bite the guy coming up asking me if I need help. Okay. So we correct him for that. And then I'm like, okay, now I want you to heal. I want you to, you know, whatever. And you know, I think the reason why a lot of people get into this predicament is, is they don't take training seriously until there's a problem. And that's where a lot of people get into two and a half years with a dog. And they're like, shoot, Oh, this isn't good. What do I do? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So. All right. So I know what to do when the situation occurs, but should I attempt to recreate the situation with a muzzle arm or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. That. So here's what you do is you, you have to say, okay, I get it. I know how to correct him. Makes sense. Got it. So now what you would do is say, okay, what, what do you want your dog to do? Like, obviously we just want him to be neutral and sit there and wait for me to say, go say hi. Like that's just not going to happen. So you have to think of the things that you'd want your dog to realistically do for a dog. And for me, the answer is sending my dog to a place or a bed or that's the easy, that's the most beneficial, safest thing to do in a situation like that outside of putting a dog on the leash and putting him in the other room. So for me, you got to ask yourself, like, what's the next step? So yeah, you can do, you don't have to do the whole muzzle thing, but what I would do is I would recreate these scenarios where I'd say, I need to be, okay, I need to be able to, so again, there's three different levels of obedience. Level one, easy, two, intermediate, medium, three is hard, expert, Yoda. So you have to start off with level one, teaching my dog to go to place, teaching my dog to go to place on command, and then you would build it out. So you can send your dog away to the place command from the front door and your dog does it every time. Then you would start building out the distractions, ring the doorbell, send the dog to the place, Uh, fail. Well, then you got to, you got to figure out, you know, where that, where's the hiccup there, you know? So you have to, you have to play out all these scenarios to build up. And then as it gets closer to the game time, 
you reenact these things. So if you have somebody living in the house with you, you have somebody go ring, go around, go around back, ring the doorbell. Let me see where we're at. And you have to be like, you have to ask yourself, like, I don't care how aggressive or how mean or how excited and how friendly dogs are. If I say, I want you to send your partner or your kids or your neighbor to your front door and hit the doorbell. And, and if you can't control your dog to do what you want your dog to do, well, I want my dog to go to their bed. And I want my dog to down and I want my dog to stay until I release my dog. And if you can't accomplish that in the distracted, or I'm sorry, in the stage distracted routine, then you're not going to be able to ask your dog to do it in real time. And you have to just build up incrementally until you get to that point. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's the theory. So what do I do to kind of practice? Yeah, great question. So here's what I do. I get a bed or a cot or an elevated something, anything other than Mm -hmm. the something that's a target. I mean, I, I've used, I've used like anything, cardboard boxes. I mean, anything. So what you do is you get your leash, you get your target. And typically people just use a bed because it's there and it's easy. Right. And then you go, good. You go up, you get your, you get your treats, whatever he likes. And you put him on a leash and you come up and you say, Luca place or bed, whatever you want to say. He's going to look at you like you have 10 heads because he doesn't know what that is. And then you give him some leash pressure. So you kind of just pull him over to the bed. All fours have to get on. You say, and then you pay him. You get your food and you pay him. Good place. Now, the important thing is, is you don't pay him until he's all the way on there. Okay. All fours have to be on there. And he cannot get off the place command until you release command, which I usually just say break. This is important because realistically that's what you want him to do go to your place and then not get off until you say break right so you get again just to re, re revisit it treat pouch treats in your hoodie leash place cot whatever you want to use bed luca go to your place what's that leash pressure he gets there boom you pay him good place hold okay break luca place what's that pressure he gets there you pay him and by the depending on the dog, typically by the fifth or sixth time, he's going to go, I know what gets me paid. I'm going to, I'm going to get on this thing. And then after you do this, your objective is to move away from this place command. Luca, go to your place. He goes there. Good place. Okay, break. And you're using your body to kind of like, like momentumly like, okay, let's go over this way. Yay. Good place. And then you move off. Okay, break. And what you'll do is you'll start testing this so you send him to his place good place you'll hold one two he'll go oh it's time to get up no it's not boom leash pressure correction nope so there's accountability and enforcement so the enforcement is the punishment or accountability or correction however you want to look at it when he decides to say i'm done with this you say no you're not boom boom correction and then you say break so that that part is important because if he knows here's what a lot of people do they start this, the dog gets up there, and then you start. You turn your back, you start walking away, the dog follows you. No, 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 back to your place. Well, if you're just pointing and telling the dog jokingly back to your place, they're never going to learn because there's not defined consequences and outlines there. You have to be very targeted here. So then what you do is once you're telling the dog to go to their place and they're going there without pressure, then what you do is you move to a longer long line. So you get further away or you just drop your leash. 
Yeah, I've done that a little bit. We were doing that as a drill, but then I kind of gave up on it. So I have one of those elevated beds. I, I usually, you know, get them there, um, give them the reward, and then um, I don't know if I should be telling them stay or giving command to remain there, but I've just been kind of waiting and then coming back and then say okay and Perfect. let them get off. Yeah, so you're okay so, as your release command. You can say stay or wait if you want. Some people do implied stays. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It's it's all the same shit. Like you can do, mm-hmm. you can say stay or you can say wait. Or like I said, the implied is essentially when I tell you to do something, you're going to do it until I release you. It doesn't matter. Some people just like to say stay because it's easier, but that's the that's it. So then what you do is if he's staying there for a good amount of time as you're moving around, mm-hmm. like your objective is to test him. So you lean, you lean down to tie your shoe. He gets up. Ah, ah, ah. Nope. Pull him back. Get him back. You, um, and then as you, as he gets better at this, you'll start testing him more, right? This is where reality starts to set in with your training, right? So then you'll go to the door. You'll jiggle the handle. He stays. You'll tell him, Luca, good stay. And you'll go and you'll pay him in position. So you're paying him and rewarding him verbally and externally, which means you're giving him payment via food when he's staying in that position as you're doing this. So if this is a dog that is usually on top of the door and people are at it, and I go to the door and jiggle the handle and he doesn't move, I'm going to go and pay him heavily, like good stay, good place, whatever you want to say. So you just have to start, and, and then that's where you build. Like, okay, I jiggled the handle, good stay, break, place, stay. I jiggled the handle, open the door, good stay, break place stay go to the door jiggle the handle open it say hi to a fake person he stays shut the door go back up you see what i'm saying and you start building all of this out and then as you develop and get better then you start throwing him realistic scenarios okay i want you to go out go out back wait 30 seconds and ring the doorbell and then you start practicing these things and then when you have somebody over you could do one or two things you could do both what we do at the faci- what we used to do at the facility any- anyways we would have these um tie back options so we'd have carabiners basically uh screwed into the wall we don't have them now but if you had like a leash and you put it under a couch or something so he couldn't so you have more trust there or if you have somebody that's helping you you can say hey i'm going to bring him to his so I'm going to bring him to his place and sit, stay, and then I want you to go get the door. I want you to go get the Amazon. I want you to go get the mail, and I'm going to work on this. Now, the moment that the – because there's a difference between practice and reality for anything. So the moment he gets a whiff of that actual person or he hears that person or that person steps inside, the important part during that time, the most important part, is when he steps off to say, I got this, guys, boom, he gets corrected. No, you don't sit back down. This is not, cause that's what he's doing is he's, he's protecting things that he shouldn't have to. But at the same time, because he doesn't have maybe as much structure as he needs to, we've kind of let him get to this point where he's pushing boundaries. When does he get the treat in this you know, drill? Good I mean, question. Put so, him on the, put him on the car. Yeah. So I, I typically like I'll have uh I'll have like, I have my treat bag on me and it depends on the dog's skill set. So if he's just learning place, he's getting place every time his paws are on that placemat. But if this he's is a dog, a treat every time. Yeah, he's yeah, getting a treat. Yeah, but okay. but here's the thing: is once you've been working on this for weeks, he's going to get paid when somebody comes to the door 
and he doesn't bark and get off the place, that's when he's getting paid. So it changes because it's like, so for me, there's verbal and there's, so there's verbal and then there's food payments. If I'm working with a dog on something that they have a hard time with, they're getting verbally paid every time. Every time they do good, I'm letting them know, good stay. Good stay, Luca. Good place, Luca. You know, whatever. But if they do really good, that's where the sugar on top comes in. And then I start externally, what I call externally, which means you're bringing like a ball, a toy, uh, a piece of food, whatever. That's where that comes in. But it changes throughout the the, the practice because if he doesn't know place at all you're paying him both good good place ding food break place good place ding food now as he gets better at it the expectations change because the, there's a difference between deve- uh, uh, behavior development where we're teaching him new things and we really want to encourage him to do this and we want to use a lot of positive reinforcement and then there's a learned behavior now once the behavior is learned we have the expectations as handlers or dog owners to just say, Hey, I want you to do this. And if it's a learned behavior, which means they know it, if they know it, well, there, there doesn't need to be any, there there needs to be nothing. You tell a dog to do something, they just do it. You know what I mean? But in the preliminary stages, there's a lot more encouragement. Mm -hmm. It's a difference between it's look at it like this. It's a difference between you got like a three-year-old kid riding the tricycle for the first time with the training wheels and they finally do it by themselves and we're all jumping up and down screaming and yelling great job buddy and then when they're 15 years old we're not doing that when they drive off with their buddies (laughs) that's the difference so that reward changes depending on the the experience all right so that's a good thing to have the bed when we're uh you know at home but do I bring the bed with me to Home Depot? No, or, or? Nope. that's just, that's just, so it's a great question. Um, the reason why we do the bed at home is because you have to give a dog, like, what do you want them to do? Uh, because, you know, we've got a Rottweiler mix. Somebody's coming at the door. Like, wh- what do you, you know, what do you want the dog to do? Not care? That's not happening, right? So when you go out, it's different, it's different obedience, right? So, um Let's again, let's just say we're walking down an aisle at Home Depot. You're going to be working on heel, which is walk nicely with me. You got to, you got to, you got to make sure you're walking nice. Like we're not, we're not going to the left and the right and doing spinnerooskies all around me. We're healing nicely on the left side and you're not passing my legs until I break you. And then we're working on obedience and control. So let's say we're, we're walking by somebody and they're facing the other way, looking at lights and we walk by him and we say, good heel, Luca. And we may maybe give him a break after that scenario and after that test. And then after that 15 second break where he's sniffing around being a dog, Luca heel, put him back into a heel. We see somebody coming down the aisle with a grocery cart or a cart full of bricks and stuff. And he's kind of, you could tell he's alert. He's, he's, he, his ears pop up, his chest, you know, he's like, you know, getting intense. That's where you would start to use your obedience. So for you, it might be Lucas sit. And, but typically this, I'm just running through a a real thing. Typically what's going to happen is, is this dog is going to say, I'm on alert. I'm suspicious of this. This makes me uncomfortable. Dad sit in the back seat. I got this. So you stop as he's puffed up like a red Robin and you say, Lucas sit. He's probably not even going to hear you. It's going to go right over his head. And again, that's where the enforcement part comes in. That's where when you tell him to do something for his benefit, right? We're 
making sure that he doesn't lunge at this person going down Home Depot with a thing of two by fours on a Sunday. We're making sure that we're holding him accountable for for completely trashing you. Like, I'm not listening to you. There's somebody more important to you. Dad, step aside. I got this. You just say, Lucas, sit. He says, no. Boom, enforcement with the prong collar immediately. And that changes that. I'm, I'm telling you right now, if somebody who doesn't have enforcement with their dog, which means you tell them to do something and they blow you off, that dog's relationship with you and that dog's whole life is predicated off of what they really want to do. Because if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. And the only thing that's going to happen to them is you're just going to ask them again. And that's not a good... Well, he, ha- he hasn't learned heal. I mean, we tried it for a while and I sadly gave up on it. Um, uh, he respects the choke collar. I can you know, pull him back, but you want me to start doing healing drills with him or... Well, I, I mean, I'm not over. I'm I'm not concerned with the way I walk them or this and that. If I want him to slow down, I give, give a tug on the collar and mm-hmm. he listens. So I'm more concerned about you know this aggressive. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, it's discretionary. I'm just I'm just saying like the more control you have over a dog that is checking people's IDs left and right out of the in public is like it, it just like people right. You, you say you go out and you're like, man, my seven year old is running up and kicking people in the shins. He doesn't know. I don't I don't understand it. But if you don't have control, the kid doesn't listen to you, you're in trouble because that's never going to end. You might as well just not, you know know what I'm saying? So the more control that you have over this dog, the more successful you're going to have. So the heel, so hear me out. The heel command is just the command to say, hey, buddy, walk nice. And, but here's the thing is if your heel command is solid and your dog respects it, understands it, is held accountable, knows that they can't cross those boundaries you'll never have a reaction unless somebody comes up to your dog in a heel because your dog's not going to lunge at anybody because they know that they have to be in heel. So the heel is just another way to get your dog under control. But if you were to go to Home Depot tonight, your dog doesn't know heel. It's more about once your dog does something that we don't like, we're discouraging it in a way that he actually cares. So, yeah. Does, does he get a reward during any of these Home Depot Yeah, uh, if he situations? does good. He does good, but don't you you don't have to bring an Italian deli with you. Cause you might, you know, that don't depend on that. Just if he does good, you tell him, "Good job, bud." That's it. Right. I mean, if you want to bring treats and he likes treats, then yeah, bring, bring treats. And like, if he does really good, you can pay him. But don't people get flustered with the clickers and the buttons and the things and the, and like just be, you know, I, I'm the same way. Like I'm going to Home Depot to get. You know, a couple two by fours in a, in a fence. I, I I forgot my clicker at home, and I can't show my dog. I'm out of you know. I'm shit out of luck. So anyway, just when you go out and he does something you don't like, he's a big, strong, powerful dog that's not making good decisions. So he's going to have a, a prong collar on anyway. And so when he does make a decision and he does do something that we find appropriate or even borderline dangerous, we're correcting him for that, and then we're moving on. And the idea is because the underlying road mapping to this dog's behavior, meaning he sees somebody, he acts a certain way, but once he gets to know him, he loves them, which tells me he's not a man eater. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not somebody comes over and he needs a muzzle and then he's like, oh, you're good. Like that's just a, uh, to me, to be honest, it it may sound unprofessional, but it just sounds like a Roddy being a Roddy. So when you're out with him, the goal here is, is for him to understand that acting aggressively and acting um, towards other people inappropriately makes uncomfortability happen from you. 
And so I've seen a lot of dogs who aren't man eaters, who really just don't know how to act, get see results really quickly because they don't know how to deal with these new people. So the moment you stop, discourage, and make the reaction uncomfortable for the dog, they have an opportunity to think instead of react. And they go, oh, that wasn't so bad. I guess I don't have to check everyone's IDs. So you're walking with somebody, he sees somebody, he gets upset, he growls, whatever. Now, if that's his MO and that's what he does, he's not get, he's not given an opportunity to digest that down, to understand how do you how do you deal with this, right? What you're doing is, is you're taking that away and you're like, hey, we're not doing that anymore. And then he's thinking, he's processing, and he walks by somebody without trying to be a jerk and you're rewarding him and he's like, man, this is much better. And that's very successful for dogs who don't have that innate, like, I'm a man eater. Like, I'm never going to like this person. When in fact, if the Home Depot guy hung around for 15 minutes with the muzzle on and just ignored him, they may be best buddies. Now, if Sam at Home Depot or again, you know, in public and I see him starting to focus on somewhere, even maybe start to growl or lunge. Should I put him in a sit as part of the uh, pulling away? Um, so it's a good question. I'm going to like give you two answers. Some dogs do better with a sit because it calms them down. Other dogs, and if you find him to calm down and kind of let things digest by sitting, then do it. But sometimes dogs will get more aggressive they get protective and they get vulnerable because they're like i think it depends on where, where it's stemming from i think if the dog is like fearfully aggressive and they're fearing these people and you put them into a sit they get in they freak out where they're like don't make me sit there's a stranger in front of us what are we gonna do but then if you get a dog that's like i'm protective and i don't really know how to handle situations i think maybe putting him into a sit and holding him accountable to sit and say hey you know, be on your best behavior might be good, but I think I'll leave that up to you, honestly. Okay. Making a note here. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a prong collar for him? I do. Okay. Yep, yeah, and I would just uh, make, do you have a safety clip for that? No, what is that? So a safety clip, whenever I'm, whenever I'm, we don't sell the prong collars without the safety clip. The safety clip is, it's a, it's a little small carabiner with a piece of rope with another little small carabiner and it clips onto your, one end clips onto your leash, the other end clips onto your flat collar. So if you corrected him with that prong that's hooked up to your leash and that prong for whatever reason busted open, you still have a hold of your dog. So we use, yeah, uh, we don't sell prong collars without that. But I'm just saying, when you have a lungy, big, powerful dog, um, it's just a proactive thing. Anyway, uh, there's a link on my website about it, but I just was curious. I would recommend that if it's not too inconvenient for you. Okay. I just would hate for you to go out to Home Depot and you're not paying attention. He lunges at something. You pop him back on the prong collar. The prong collar busts open, and now he's running around Home Depot. <laughs> Right. It doesn't happen often, but when you get a big, powerful, lungy dog like that, it's more likely to happen because of their power. Right. I'll certainly look at the website for that. 
Um, so you suggest I start doing the drills at home and then take him out in public and do those, you know, you know tugs and rewards and just like the, the drill at home. So two separate. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think you should just, um, you know, go out with him, put your shoulders straight, walk down the road. And if at any point he decides to get aggressive or mean or react towards somebody, you have to correct him for that behavior and tell him to leave it, knock it off. No bang, correct him. Hey, nope, we're not doing that. Right. We're making, we're discouraging that behavior. It's called positive punishment. So when we talk about encouraging behaviors and teaching dog behaviors, it's, it's positive reinforcement. Hey, good job. Do that again. Next time, do that again. And then if we believe that, which we all do, it makes sense. Um, the other end of the spectrum is when a dog does something we don't like, you know, with kids, we just tell them, hey, buddy, you can't do that because it's hot. And they go, oh, okay. They get it. They speak English. But dogs, they don't. How do dogs communicate with their teeth, with their mouth? They're very physical animals. So when he goes out and he does something that could be dangerous to him or, you know, because your dog, lunge, dog that size with the mixes that he has lunging at people and potentially biting people, that's a death sentence to him or a, yeah. a liability. And you got to take it very seriously. So he's got to know. That's what I tell everyone. Like I care so much about dogs that I'm not naive that they're going to just learn and listen because I told them to. Like there has to be a, there's got to be a conflict there. Like there's got to be, hey, don't do that. You can't do that. And with your dog in particular, like there's so many different avenues that you go down. Genetics, abuse, neglect, um, neurological problems, uh, environmentals, um, resource guarding, uh, frustration, aggression. There's so many different variables. But it sounds like your dog's just like, I don't know, you get out of here. And you have to shut that down really quickly. And so it's not as easy as going out and correcting your dog when they react, although that is a very big part of it. If you're not doing it correctly, the other end, I would say probably the 40% of the success of what's going to happen is your control and how much like, okay, after you've, after the dog knows they shouldn't bark, then what? They're just standing there and they just, what do they do? They just melt into this person. They just wanted to bite. No, you have to say down. Okay. Give it, give them an opportunity to be successful. He's very, he listens. I mean, even when he's going a little nuts and I make him sit or go down, he'll, he'll listen. Good. And he may get back up and, or he obeys at home. You know, he does what he's told to do. Go outside or sit or shake. Well, not shake, but you know, whatever. Down. He's good. So he knows right from wrong in a way and he does listen to me and he comes when I call him. Good. Generally. But um, uh, do you want me to employ this um, training shot collar at all? Uh, so I, I rather not. Ha- I rather not have to because I don't always have it on. I'm, well, the e- I don't always have a clicker in my hand. Yeah, the the e collar, it's great, but the the objective with the e collar, there there's a um, there's a right way and a wrong way, and then there's a lazy way and the right way, and then there's you know there's all these different calibers. For me, I like to introduce the remote collar for a couple weeks with the dog over basic behaviors to teach the dog to respond to me off leash. And then that gives me an opportunity to work with my dog completely off leash, which is beautiful. And I think what a lot of people do is they may use it as a corrective tool only. And then that's all it ever becomes. For me, the remote collar is simply the only thing that can enforce a behavior completely off leash. So going back to your I'm at the house, he's barking at the FedEx guy, what do I do? Well, if 
I'm using the remote collar. So, so my answer is it's up to you, but I, I don't use the remote collar the way that you're using it. I don't use the remote collar that you're using in particular. And I, and I, I just do it completely different. So the e-collar to me is not a shortcut cheap, like, Hey, if the dog's not listening, just buzz them. The e-collar is uh, a f- like, you know, you got to teach them how to use it. You got to teach them what it is. You got to teach them how to shut it off. You got to teach them how to respond to it and yield to it. And then you can use it off leash and it's a great tool, but it just takes time to do that. And ultimately, once the dog is trained with the remote collar at a very foundational conditioning level, then you don't need anything. The dog just responds. Um, but in public places and things like that, Again, like if your dog is going to be off leash, that's the only thing in the world that can hold the dog actually accountable. If you don't have a remote collar on and your dog is running willy nilly and you say come and they don't, that's it. They're gone until they want to come back or until you find them. Well, I've used the remote collar, um, you know, just to do recalls mm-hmm. in a comfortable sensation. And he listens, uh, generally speaking, the exception being if he's at the park and he's wrestling with some dogs, he may not listen right away. But uh, he, he generally listens when I like yeah. call him verbally or, or with the collar. I just wanted to know more in terms of the punishment or the, you know, the, yep. the repercussions. For yep. It. Yeah, it could be great. Um, it just like I don't know his understanding of it. I don't know what levels he have. It's it's like, it's like anything else, you know. Um, it's it, there's a big rabbit hole and there's a there's a huge it's a huge project, and e like I said e collar training for me. I put the remote collar on the dog for three days before I use it. On the third day, this dog already knows place really well. This dog already knows come really well. This dog already knows down really well. And then I just start using the low levels. And I say, come, the dog starts coming to me. I shut it off and I pay the dog. I say place, I hold it down. The dog gets to the place, they shut it off. So it, it it's a way to communicate. It's called, it's escape training. It's, it's teaching the dog to go to something, something that they already know, something that they would already do without the remote collar. It's just an added communication step. And once the dog understands that, then that's my communication with the dog on leash or off. But many people don't do it like that. They strap it on the dog. The dog doesn't listen. They nail the dog. The dog listens or they don't makes, you know, it's, you know, it's a cheap way to do it. But so, yeah, I rather, again, leave the, the clicker and all It's a bit inconvenient to always have that in your hand. And so the only thing I was thinking of doing was, like, if he does something wrong, if he jumps up on the counter, I can tell him off and he'll listen. Right. But I was going to start using, I was going to start using the, uh, the uncomfortable part of the, uh, the, bu- the, the buzzer that they don't like in connection with the, the verbal command. Yeah, you can. Um, I'm not sure. You can, but that, that's what I'm saying is is there's a lot of development. So before you can correct them with it, you got to teach them what it is. And that's what I'm saying is what I do is if your collar doesn't have a low enough level to communicate, it's only a correction. You're not going to be able to do that. So again, like for me, it's exactly what I was saying. I put it on him for about a week and I hit, I hit the button and I hold it until he does it and it releases. And it's at a low enough level where he, it doesn't conflict him. It doesn't consequence him. It, he just feels it, right? Then when I say, hey, buddy, come, and he says, screw you, then when that correction happens that you're talking about, he knows where it's coming from, how to shut it off, and it's fair to the dog. Right now, if you put it on him and you corrected him, because he doesn't, he hasn't done any conditioning with it at a low enough level, he may, it may make things, He may it's called superstitious association. He may think, oh, the countertop did that, which in your case would be good, <laughs> but it's just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? 
I don't, I, it's, it's whatever you want to do, but I, if you, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think I'm going to, you know, try some of the, the, the drills that you said, and then I may circle back to you for another session. Sure. Right. Sounds good. At the end of our time. Sounds right, well, good. Thank you very much. And I'll give it a little try. All right, buddy. You're welcome. Uh, good luck with you. Just practice, practice, practice. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, my recommendation is when you go out with him, it you know might be a good opportunity to put the muzzle on and also just tell people, hey, he's in training, and um, just keep working at it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks again. All right. You're Talk welcome. Bye. All right. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. First question comes from Bell's Dog Training. New dog, new home. Super weird question, but I want to pick your brain. When dogs get adopted and are in a new home and people say it takes time for them to adjust and to get used to being a family – uh, like they say, dog has separation anxiety or something related. Would getting them day one and being the leader and training them from day one help make the process or transition life quicker? Like help make the dog adjust faster? When I adopted a dog, I was immediately doing that and working the dog from sunup to sundown. I felt like the dog adjusted quickly. Just curious. Thanks for all you do. I'm just blown away by every piece of content you post and how much I learned from it. Well, thanks for the question. Uh, it's a good question. It's a new one. Um, I think it, de- well, I know it depends on the dog, right? Of course. But I think um, doing a little bit of both. So I think having structure, boundaries, hey, don't go out the door. Hey, wait to get out of the crate. Wait to eat. Um, with the, hey, have fun. Be a dog. Welcome to our life. This is going to be great. So I think having both is my answer. We're actually going to foster a dog um, this month, I think. Um, yeah. So before we get crazy with traveling and touring and seminaring, um, we're going to foster some dog and do some content for you guys. But yeah, I would say definitely um, do both. Have a little bit of both. I wouldn't, my suggestion is, I mean, yeah, if you get a dog that's willing to work sunrise to sundown, hell yeah, they'll love that. But if you get a dog that's trying to figure things out, trying to figure you out, trying to figure out their surroundings. So it depends. If the dog comes in scared, insecure, nervous, I wouldn't recommend pounding them out with obedience and getting shit done. I would just say like, let's do a little bit of threshold work. Don't ruin my life and take charge, but you know, be a dog and have fun. So it's a good question. Next one, Amanda, five, four, three, six, four, five star review. I enjoy listening to your content, both YouTube and podcast. You do a amazing job, amazing job exploring dog behavior and illustrating a way for people to understand. I love seeing someone succeed in their career with pure talent and ambition and not through stereotypical, in my opinion, overrated educational systems. Anyway, we are looking to get a German Shepherd to this year or next. I heard you mention about getting a puppy yourself and wanted to know if you were planning on doing a puppy training course. The Kickstarter course is pretty much that. Uh, the Kickstarter course is what I would suggest. Um, but we are going to do a like day in the life of what I would do with a new puppy. Um, whether we do that with a client's dog that has a puppy or we do it with a foster dog, uh, but we are going to do that. It's not going to be for purchase. We're just going to put it up on YouTube, but the Kickstarter course is a great course for anybody that's about to get a dog that's gotten a dog or a dog that, uh, has some, uh, problems, uh, behaviorally. It's literally every single thing that behavioral cases that I work with don't have. And it's every single thing that a dog needs to have. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Next one, Cheryl96, my dog won't get out of bed. Hi, Tom. First and foremost, this is my favorite podcast. Enjoyed all the content. Thanks for all the work that you do in the dog world. My problem is, is my dog doesn't like getting off her bed. When we have to go outside for walks, this started after we moved into an apartment where we would go on more walks than we did living in the house. I will also mention that she's insecure and nervous and not a fan of outside. She's similar to the 
Ka, the fearful dog from the members club. Oh, I see. Um, I can get her to move outside quickly if I have more space, but inside it's much harder. I have to tell her off and she doesn't get up. I have to lift her bed to make her get up. I'm stuck because I don't know if she's being disobedient or she's just fearful. Um, I think a little bit of both. Uh, my suggestion is getting yourself a long line and working on so sometimes dogs will take advantage of certain people so if they know that you're going to have to go up and kick the bed over to get them out they'll wait for you to do that kind of like a teenager not wanting to get out of bed um if you have to go in and dump water they're going to sleep until you do it because they just that's just i mean that's what i used to do uh so anyway so i would just try to do a little bit of long line work with like a martingale or a plastic pinch collar and just start doing like hey this come on let's go get out of bed um, so work on it, sending her back to her place. Let's go. Good job. Sending her back to her place. Okay, let's go. Good job. So work on it. So right now what you're doing is, is you're saying, Hey, let's go. And she's like, nah, I don't want to. You're going over to tip the bed. You walk out. So get yourself a long line, work on getting up and then letting her go back and then getting up and then letting her go back. So instead of working on it once a day or twice a day, going for walks, work on it 30 times a day as much as you can. So all right, you guys, that's the end of it. And I have no more questions for the first time. If you guys are listening to this and you have questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and I'll be happy to answer them next podcast. I'll see you Wednesday. Have a good day. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Playing with the laugh tracks. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Have a good night. Goodbye. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.